0: Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hey everybody, this is Tracy. Welcome to this episode of Good Life Stories. I am so excited for the guest I have with me today. I have known Maya for almost a decade now, and my appreciation for her knowledge and passion just couldn't be greater. So I wanted to introduce you today to Maya Soderholm. She is a sword fighter, author, painter, an overall just amazingly talented woman. Can't wait for you to hear what happens today on the show. My conversation with Maya is going to cover some really fun stories from her life. Welcome to Good Life Stories. So good morning, everybody. This is Tracy Crowley. I am on good life stories with my friend Maya Soderholm, and I think Maya you know when you were talking about a good way to introduce you I love that you were talking about you were someone who paints and and that you paint things and play with swords I feel like that that's like a perfect summation and also a massive understatement (laughs)
1: Well, the, nowadays, you have to have some little catchy statement about yourself or for social media. And it's like, tell us about yourself. What's your bio? And I was like, I don't know. Exactly. I paint things. I, I play don't with swords. You know, what do you say? You know, I, I think it's very interesting that everybody has to be a brand nowadays. But I think it sums it up.
0: Yeah. No, I I actually, I looked at that. And thought, well, no, that's actually really accurate. Because <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many people I know who paint or play with swords. Which is strange, actually, let's face it. Right. I mean, you would think that more people would be interested in both those things. (laughs) So I want to dive right in on when we were talking about three life stories. One of the things that you listed was India on motorcycles. First of all, what were you doing in India?
1: I went because two of my friends had always wanted to ride, two motorcycling friends, had always wanted to ride the road from Manali to Leh across the Himalayas. So there's this road that takes three days to travel. I mean, you can right. do it much quicker, but there's two rest stops uh, on these high plateaus that you can stay overnight. So it's basically three days journey across the Himalayas, across some of the highest motorable world, roads in the world. Um, and they wanted to go ride it on motorcycles. And, I, you know, they invited me, so I said, okay <laughs> so let's do that um but it turned into a year away um away from the u.s yeah. and we started in thailand went to cambodia for christmas nice. and then back to thailand and then we flew in we flew into uh, chennai so old school Madras, but into Chennai from yeah. Thailand. And we bought motorcycles. Like the, the, the whole plan was not to take our motorcycles there, but you, you buy Indian Enfields. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the way you have to do India is an Enfield. Yeah. And uh, we started in um, Tamil Nadu and then went down to Kerala and basically rode the whole length of India to get up to Manali in June. I, I think – I can't remember. I think we left. So we were Christmas in, we left in November and we had Christmas in Cambodia. So we basically in India from about February onwards. So we had February through June to basically get up to Manali, which is in the foothills of the Himalayas. So that then that's when the road opens. And then you hang out there until the road opens because it's obviously snowed in and um, the road crews have to work on it and open it up, clear the landslides, all that sort of stuff, make it possible. (laughs) And then that's when it, when it's open to travel so that's what we did and we rode all the way up to Leh and actually up into the Nubra Valley which is the highest motorable road in the world though it might not be but the indian said it is
0: yeah and uh yeah so that's what we did in india wow i bet that was there. fascinating because i I'm, I'm assuming it was still quite cold yes
1: um it's cold obviously because it's the himalayas right. i mean obviously the rest of india was incredibly hot right. and so we were running away from the heat for most of the journey
0: right
1: from from the south to the north right um and yeah, it's incredibly hot. It's incredibly dusty through most of it. And then it gets super nice up in the foothills of the Himalayas. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's, it's really delicious. And then it gets completely
0: freezing. Over the- <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it sounds like you were in the, in the completely crazy part. So do you know like how long that road is open for?
1: It's usually June through September, but it it, it varies. So it could be the mm-hmm. end of June through the beginning of September. So, it, it you know, July and August, it's pretty much open, but everything is subject to change. Right. And there could be the random landslide in the summer that can close it too.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So
1: it's wow. it's 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 not paved most, yeah. most of it. Yeah. Uh, like sometimes you're riding through streams and you know it's, it's on the cliff edge. It's it's very interesting road. It's it's, it's <laughs> fun, fun. <laughs> and we were there in uh, 1999. So this yeah. is where Pakistan and India are fighting.
0: Oh yeah. So it was
1: like not you know the most of the other traffic on the road was huge army convoys of trucks.
0: Oh, that'd be bizarre! Like so, yeah. the, the yes, obviously you had to give way, but like I think about how how much way you'd have to give on a on a dirt road, like you know, <laughs> climbing up one side. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, India's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a story from earlier on in the travels. Um, it, it was weird to see a woman on a motorcycle for a start. The Indians were just very blown away by that. They just I'm, thought it was I'm the sure. strangest thing they'd ever seen. But then the fact that we were driving all the way across India, they couldn't handle that at all. And they're like, you're traveling the roads in India? I says, do you know Tata Truck? You know the Tata Trucks? They're like yes. these huge, yes. massive trucks <laughs> the, the, the that carry all the loads. Yeah. yeah, and they're you know, they just almighty beasts that, that, uh, that hog the road. He's like, Tata Truck looks at a car and thinks, matchbox. He says, you, matchstick. stick. ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. And it was true. It was like anything that's bigger has the right of way in India. That's the the rule of the road. It doesn't matter who has right of way with any rules or anything. if you're bigger, you get the middle of the road. So I got really good at riding off-road because you have – it's basically defensive driving through the
0: whole thing. Everyone's trying to kill you. But like defensive driving on steroids. Like Yeah, exactly. I feel like you're in the middle of a video game constantly.
1: (laughs) You know, Uh, know, coupled to the fact that India doesn't have any roadmaps – Oh wow. So so the interesting thing was uh we had a lonely planet guide that had the main roads on it. And it was interesting. It was this book that we found used that that you know, it's just like a you know, one of those old fashioned McNally's road atlases, but it only had some roads, right? India's enormous. It's a it's a subcontinent, right? Right. It's it's yeah, it's huge. (laughs) It's it's huge. Um but it had the basic roads on there. But um it's really, really fascinating when you get off the beaten track because you realize you have to ask directions at every crossroads pretty much you come to. Right. And you can't ask very far. Right. Because these people that live in a lot of these rural places, they don't know where anything is. Right. You they know, you, they you only ask, travel so far away from yeah. where yeah. So it has to be the town that you have to have the closest town is what you're looking for. You don't look at the big metropolis that's, you know. Right, you're not saying
0: which way is Chennai. Yeah, yeah no, you can't, can't do that. Be useless, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and often you're literally navigating by the fact that the sun's over there and it's going that way. Oh, you know, you're like, God. well, we're kind of going in the right direction. I mean, in a sense, one of the wonderful things about it is that you realize that 90% of the people on the planet are really nice everybody just actually wants to help you Yeah, you know you might get the wrong directions obviously because everybody just wants to say yes all the time to you but right. you know in general people are really welcoming and and really generous
0: yeah
1: you know so that was actually one of the really nice you know we just kind of roll into town there'd be like three of us uh, often we'd have somebody traveling with us who'd like tag alongs so there'd be like maximum five motorcycles but three at least right drive up and it was the most exciting thing that had happened in the village all day and we'd be like you know hello and there'd be a big crowd (laughs) like what just
0: happened
1: (laughs) but yeah really really sweet you know they'll be like yeah that way go that way you know where's the river or where's or whatever and then we'd have the next spot on the journey nice yeah
0: what a fascinating way i love the idea though just of the on some level just that freedom of you don't have like a map and a destination and you're not trying to track how many miles you've been like you're literally like we're going there but like you don't actually know how many miles of road or how direct it is and so you simply just have to take it day by day for how you're moving, you know.
1: Yeah, you have to get a completely different uh concept of time. Yes. If you look at Indian Railways, for instance or buses or anything really throughout Asia, it's like you wait at the stop until the bus comes or the train comes and then you get on it. And if it breaks down, you hang around until it's fixed and then you go. The idea is that you never know when the train's coming. You never know if it's going to break down and you never know when you're going to get there. But that's the one that's going to take you. So you kind of have to let go of efficiency. You have to let go right. of everything else. You have to just accept that your motorcycle will break. They break constantly. They're, they're, they're not very made very well. Yes. But somebody's always going to be there to help you out. Right. You know, there's always going to be some guy in sandals who's going to pop his head up out of the field and make sure that you can get somewhere and some guy can make some widget and make you get to the next place where you get it fixed or something. <laughs> it was a real adventure because you're pretty much you've no idea where you're going. You're relying, you're trusting other people to kind of tell you. Yeah. And you're kind of trusting the fact that you're not getting going to get into horrible trouble or end up in some sort of like terrible bid in somewhere. Yeah. You yes. know? And you don't know where you're going to stay when you get to this town. You don't even know where the hotels are probably. Right. You know. Right. So it's the weirdest interesting. It's it's very much a, a great experience of letting go. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Oh, very much so. I mean, I think about that now and think about how like attached people are to their, I mean, especially the Western idea of of busyness, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that quiet time or time when you're not moving or doing or whatever is not always looked at as positive. So like trying to shift into a mindset of the, I don't actually know what I'm going to get there. And that's okay. Yeah.
1: And I'm relying on all these other people that I don't know. Right. Right. At all, you know, and so I'm having sort of faith that if everything goes south and my motorcycle explodes, that I'm not. I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't know where I am even. Do right. you know I mean like it, it's sort of very, very interesting? It's not like it's that difficult, honestly. I mean, you know, there's um, always places to get to in India, so it's not sort of I'm not down the Amazon you know, on my own, <laughs> right, you know, hundred years ago away. or something like that. But it, it's still it's it's a it's a fun it, it's an interesting experience that I think is missing from a lot of lives that yes. uh necessity yes to just kind of give it all up and see what happens and sort of yeah <laughs> have a modicum of trust that, that it'll all going to work out on some level you know yeah exactly <laughs> you know that's a, yeah that's such a challenge for people yeah yeah so. and India is a very difficult place to travel I didn't know for the first I think we were there for about eight months, all in all, or something. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the first seven and a half months, I didn't know if I liked it or not. It's a crazy, mad, intense place, whose history is so old. Doesn't care about Europe at all. You know, it's a tiny little speck over there somewhere on the horizon. You know, there's a hugely ingrained, deep, very rich culture. It's mad. It's just mad with people and noise and so much dead things and smells and you know it's very very intense thing I was like do I like this do I like this you know it's the opposite of stayed northern Europe where people leave you alone and don't touch your things exactly you you go and eat in a restaurant in India and you come back out all the mirrors on the motorcycle will be turned around somebody will have stuck a sticker on it like a random sticker on the tank (laughs) you know I mean like you can't stop people,' like, they'll be doing their hair in the mirrors and sitting on the motorcycle. It's like you can't get upset at it, you right. know
0: it's so sort of... right that's so funny though, because I especially love the like the the comparison of northern Europe of like you know people leave you alone and don't touch your stuff. like yeah. I feel like there's so much about that don't touch your stuff that like you you know, just like you were saying, like they will be leaning against your motorcycle using the mirror, like it's nothing that's no big deal yeah, yeah the the men in the have very good hair. And they're
1: yeah. often doing that <laughs> and I guess they need your mirrors to sort of check it out exactly to make
0: sure it's all right. a handy mirror no one's using it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you know and they're looking cool right they're testing out the bike you know they're not going to take it right do you right. Know what I mean it's just like a you know so if you could if you can kind of groove with that for the first seven months like I said it was hard you know yeah. everything's hard the bureaucracy's is hard it's very corrupt you know, it's, oh, it's difficult, yeah. everything, all the problems. But on the other hand, you've got this huge balance of this incredible joy of life and yes. intensity and passion and colorful stuff and laughter. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it's so sort of absolutely and the, and balanced. the generosity
0: of all the people that yeah. you were talking about. I mean, like they just, you know, the, the the crazy noise and sitting on your motorcycle and talking to you and all the other things also comes with the joy of you just showing up. And how awesome that is. Like, oh, you're here. You're such a novelty. This is so fun. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, so like I said, first seven and a half months, I wasn't sure. I was like, this is really fascinating. This is super intense. I'm never coming back. And then (laughs) like the last couple of weeks, I, you know, and I don't think I still have it out of my system. It really does change you. You know, I think I finally started to get the hang of it. Yeah. And really kind of relaxed into the rhythm of it. I was like, I could, I could do this again. I could do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you been back?
1: I've never been back.
0: Yeah. You know, you've had all sorts of other travels.
1: <laughs> but, you know, at that point, I, you know, that was pretty much I came back and then I came back right before Y2K yeah. where nothing happened, obviously. So, yeah. but, you know, then in June 2000, I met Mike, and so my husband. So, yeah. uh, you know, life took a different trajectory.
0: Yeah. Really good one.
1: <laughs> yes, I think so.
0: You guys are a fun team. Um, okay, so before we move on to martial arts and stuff, I remember when we were talking about this, and the all I could remember was something about you crashing through the woods in Wales. And you put you sent back that it was the only time you enjoyed running. I can't even remember what were you doing when we when we were talking about that story of you being in Wales and crashing through the woods. I can't remember what we were even talking about, but I it stuck in my head as one of a one of your funny stories. <laughs> So before I moved to the States, a couple of years before I
1: moved to the States, I got offered a job in Snowdonia National Park in North Wales. Yeah. Which, if you you know, just Google it and look at pictures, it's an incredibly beautiful, stunning place. Uh, not huge on the American scale of national parks, but still just yeah. a gorgeous wild place.
0: Yeah.
1: And basically what it was was a friend of mine was working there at an inn cooking and The cook that she was working with had a fall, ice climbing, and he sprained both his wrists and his ankles, I think, too, and he couldn't work. So she called me because she knew I could cook. Can you come up and uh, sub for Wolf? His name was Wolf. Yeah. Um, While he's recovering. Yeah, sure. Okay, so six weeks turned into two years. I kept working up there because I loved living up there. Yeah. And one of the big pastimes in North Wales was fell running fell running in the uk fell being a high place right so the fells are these hills and fell running basically is hill running over sort of very barren you know highlands basically in the uk and they do it you know in scotland and england and wales and it's actually a competitive sport and a lot of people there would go to north wales to train for it so there's various races where you run so many peaks in a day or yeah. whatever it is, right? So it's basically all up and downhill. And what makes you a really good fell runner is not your ability to run uphill, which is just training and strength and stamina, but the, yeah. your ability to run downhill really, really fast. Because the work
0: with gravity, yeah, yeah, and it's and all cross country.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like mountain biking trails right it's like it's fully committed and you know full body exercise yeah but if you can run down fast and be accurate and good and not wreck that's what wins races so I have never liked running I've hated running basically through my whole life (laughs) but you know when in Rome you know I basically took up climbing and I took up fell running I was like all right fine And I started to go out with a few friends that would just kind of smoke me. But then I kind of got the idea and I would run these various routes. And, you know, over the two years I was there, I got fitter and fitter. So it started to become less of a drag. But what I realized was that running in really nasty sideways raining, just full-on stormy wind in the middle of nowhere with the wind howling up the passes and just barren, you know, rocky crags and all that kind of stuff was actually made it fun and oh, because yeah. it was tree roots rocks creeks and streams and all this stuff that you had to navigate and find your foothold for it was so mentally absorbing that you kind of forgot
0: about how horrible running is <laughs> well you want to talk about flow like if you're moving that fast like you have no bandwidth in your head to be tracking no bandwidth anything else yes and yes. so I never ran fast. I could never run
1: at all, really. I run like a tank. I run dreadfully. I don't have any talent for it at all. But it was actually a really good time. And this was just when Walkmans came out, Sony Walkmans. The oh, great. Right. Right. Yep. And the problem was that if you ran with it, it would jurgle and the, the cassette yep. player would, like, wouldn't like would play. And so a friend of mine who made mountain climbing gear made a, a chest rig for it that you hung around your neck and put around here. And you had the the Walkman sort of strapped to your chest and then the earphones on them so it stabilized and it didn't juggle around so much and um, I remember just laughing my ass off one day because I went up across the tops and it was suddenly the storm came in and it rained so hard that the earbuds shorted out in my ears because my ears filled with water (laughs) and I'm I'm just laughing my ass off honestly it felt like I was connected to my ancestors you know it's like bring on the wind you know like yes you know. <laughs> so I'm running and I'm running down this hillside like I cleared the tops which are totally barren but then they planted some like pine forest sort of stuff there yeah. and so I'm running down through these trees and it's quite springy on the on yeah. the pine needles and stuff like that and it was just the best thing ever I mean it was just I don't know it felt you know sort of ancient and primeval and I don't know something very very connected to my ancestors something.
0: No, I've had those experiences. Yeah. Of, you know, running on on trails just just the when you and there's something about running downhill when the weather is horrendous. Right. What is it's, that? It's a very specific thing. Like it's be I've never really felt that when the weather was great. No. But no. I have always felt that like on day, I've had a few days around here in the watershed where the weather turned while I was out and there's a really cool downhill part. And I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> because there's this really weird primal connection that happens between you and your environment that doesn't yeah. happen at other times, mostly because you don't need it. But, you know, it's it's a really fascinating feeling. To, yeah,
1: yeah it really feels you're part of nature. You're doing something very natural. I don't know, but it feels... It helps me
0: understand why people choose to run. Yeah. Because but you run quite a lot. I mean, I you're love a to runner. Run, but like yeah. that experience is so unique. And that experience is part of why I run, because I've hit that enough times that I know it's out there. But I also know it's not something I can manufacture. I can't go make a run feel that way. It just ends up happening set so whether you know whether it's the timing of the run how i feel that day the weather like whatever it is but it's never when it's sunny so
1: <laughs> yeah oh that's so interesting that you felt it too i'm really excited about that yeah. yeah i mean you know since the 13th warrior movie came out now i have the whole thing Yeah. right at the beginning he's on the ship and he's like things have not always been thus and there's all the yes. vikings and they're all like, bah! It's like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, yes. it's like it's something like that you
0: know So you get these sort of somehow glimpses into that, that sort of. I think my favorite thing about that movie is the scene where he starts to, uh, where you hear through his ears, him understanding them. Because if you've ever learned a foreign language, that's what it feels like. I feel like the writers in that got that so right. Yeah, Uh, that was a very good one. That tipping point of, oh, wait, you know, you're not just getting two or three words, because it's like dominoes. Like when you're learning a foreign language, and you and you can speak it, it finally just goes and everything comes in place. And I love that.
1: Yes, that love is a that. very
0: good part of part of it. But yes, yeah.
1: yes, Wales, I miss Wales. That's another place I miss. Yeah, because there was something very special about it. I very much connected to that, to yeah. that place.
0: So I feel like your, your place that your place in California reminds me of that your cabin doesn't rain quite. I mean,
1: you know, hills, it's not. It's not the same. And, and the barrenness of the yeah. Welsh moorlands, you know, the highlands. There's something yeah. very, you know, I don't know. That that that's sort of. I, I haven't found that here. Probably on the east coast. I, I bet you there can find may be that. some.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's just. A, it's one of those climate and geography combination things. That yeah, just doesn't stay the same. It's
1: very ancient landscape. It just feels like it's been there forever. And you know, the, exactly. exactly, the mountains speak. Yes.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. What do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good Life Stories, creating connection. One story at a time.